the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Welcome to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality and the metaverse. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. Fashion is once again at the forefront of technology, with designers and brands embracing new boundless opportunities, VR, AR, and the metaverse offers both creativity and commerce. It is estimated that augmented reality will influence $36 billion worth of consumer spending by 2024. Shopify reports that products offering AR visualization have a 94% greater conversion rate, while AR-guided purchases have 25% fewer returns. Meanwhile, 30% of Gen Z and millennials say they wish that more online shopping experiences included XR. XR provides opportunities for virtual try-ons, on-demand customization, and interactive campaigns. E-commerce is evolving into V-commerce, or virtual commerce. We are at the beginning of a new trend, sometimes referred to as the dematerialization of retail, where virtual goods don't necessarily have a physical counterpart. DressX is a retail platform offering virtual garments by contemporary brands from around 23 quid. Once someone has purchased their digital garment, it is overlaid onto the customer's chosen photograph. Dubbed clothing for content, their target audience are influencers, and they see digital clothes as a way to reduce physical waste in the fashion industry. In-store, customers can use AR to visualize and contextualize products before they buy. La La Land AI offers online shoppers the ability to customize artificial 3D models to our own ethnicity, skin color, height, weight, and body shape to get a more accurate idea of what something might actually look like. This technology could easily come into stores where someone could, say, scan a tags QR code, for instance, and see the garment on their actual digital twin, reducing the need to try on clothes, potential damage, and returns. You could also have the option to buy it not just to wear in real life, but also for your digital avatar to wear in virtual worlds. To get a better understanding of just how disruptive XR technologies are and will be in fashion and retail, I am thrilled to welcome Matthew Drinkwater, the head of Fashion Innovation Agency at London College of Fashion. Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So to begin, do you mind sharing a bit about your background and how you got started in this industry? Sure. So I worked in luxury retail for a long time. And um, I guess in about 1999, I moved off to Japan and spent kind of 10, 11 years working for Japanese retailers, always in kind of innovation roles, looking at where technology could play a part in consumer journey and how we could affect their experience, both in store and I guess in the early days of the internet as well. So kind of lots of work with shoppable video, that kind of stuff, looking at how we could just make this feel like a more interesting, immersive experience, both in that physical bricks and mortar and in the virtual space as well. 
back in round about 2012, I I got approached by London College of Fashion who were looking to set up a team exploring emerging technologies. And we'd done, I guess, a bunch of work with designers as well uh, in my previous roles. And I uh, I was excited just to get a blank sheet of paper to explore anything that we wanted to. So it was a really exciting opportunity. And that's yeah, nearly 10 years ago now. Wow. Yeah, you mentioned some designers and I know you work with a lot of amazing people. Can you share some examples of how the Fashion Innovation Agency at the London College of Fashion collaborate with designers and brands? Yeah, so we, we work both with uh, young designers, emerging designers, technology companies, luxury brands, and effectively we're that bridge between the fashion and technology industries. We have our own team in-house, so we have capability to build experiences in-house, but we will also work alongside larger technology companies like Microsoft, Magic Leap, film studios like Lucasfilm or Digital Domain to build these proof of concept examples of what new technologies can do for the industry. We kind of, I guess we split our work into three main areas, how we can use that technology to change the way that designers make their collection. So that could be anything, I guess, from smart material to smart process. Um, then change the way they show their collection. So Fashion Week has always been a really good place for us just to demo, particularly around immersive technologies, so augmented, mixed and virtual realities. Uh, and then ultimately how we can use that technology to change the way they could retail their collection. So I guess in essence, it's looking at a very traditional fashion designer business model, um, building those kind of examples of, look, you can do this, this is real, this is possible to do and hopefully try and accelerate the pace of change externally. And then we bring all of that knowledge back into the university and hopefully send out a generation um, who have a, maybe a slightly better understanding of what emerging technologies could do for their businesses in the future. Yeah, and speaking of these emerging technologies, I'm curious what use cases are being d d used differently for virtual reality versus augmented reality. Are you seeing sort of definitive ways that these technologies are being used in this industry? And is there overlap or is it, are they really independent of each other? I think for a long time, they've sat very independent of each other. And, you know, we, we've seen at the college the use of virtual reality for a number of years. And there are a lot of students looking at showcasing within virtual reality and have done for a long time. I think the wider industry is still beginning to find its feet with virtual reality in its place. I think you see out in the wild some really interesting examples where... <laughs> You know, there might be a VR headset in store. And I, I think that interaction of how consumers might feel utilizing a, a VR headset within a physical location is yet to be fully developed. Um, I think location-based experiences for brands will become increasingly important in the future as they begin to recognize how much more immersive they could make those feel. I think up until this point, the use case of VR for, for many luxury brands has largely sat around 360 degree video and just showing something to somebody in that kind of format not not the most exciting use cases but certainly the pandemic has begun to shift that and we we've seen some more examples of where 
fashion shows could be delivered in a, a slightly more interesting way. I, I would point to kind of the fabric of reality that was created, that we uh, built in collaboration with Riot Studios back in June 2020, which kind of allowed a few young designers to create their own story worlds. And rather than just looking at replicating a, an existing catwalk, you could kind of fly through and begin to, to get a sense of their vision. And I think you know, for me, that use of VR feels like the, the most untapped area for, for young creatives. Um, augmented reality is something which I think has become so much more accessible in the last couple of years. You know, the, the use of Lens Studio and, and Snapchat has really democratized that. And, you know, Facebook and Instagram have integrated tools which are allowing a lot more young creatives to begin to look at how they could utilize those for a wider audience you know, body tracking and full body tracking is becoming really quite impressive so i think we are just at the beginning of a real explosion of creative content in that field it is it's really exciting and actually i wanted to ask you um you mentioned Fashion Week, and I think we just had it a couple of weeks ago, right? Uh, was there anything at Fashion yeah. Week that really stood out as being new or different or something that surprised you? Um, so I never use Fashion Week as a bar for something that will surprise me because I think <laughs> largely you see things which are uh, fairly expensive. Although, you know, Caperni's viral moment where they were spraying a dress onto uh, Gigi Hadid is, you know, one of those examples of where these moments can sit and they can provide these moments of inspiration i think you know there is a huge amount of interest in metaverse activity and um, from tommy hilfiger using roblox as a as a destination and streaming it during new york fashion week look i think these examples are interesting but they also show the divide between the fashion industry where there's a i think a desire to be in the metaverse but not really an understanding of how to do it and how to do it in a way which enhances what might be there already. So you kind of see this slightly awkward halfway house of spaces like Roblox or Somnium being used to host events where, it, I mean, in Roblox's case, a, a great deal larger numbers of people, but in other spaces, slightly fewer numbers of people coming in and, Simply just doing it, I think, is interesting, and I want to applaud those experiments because we do want to see more activity. We encourage experimentation, but I think there there's a lot more that's being driven by marketing and PR than genuine structural change that will help kind of digital asset creation all throughout these businesses. But look, every step is positive and every move I feel is positive. So look, I, I want to celebrate everything that I saw even if it wasn't the most exciting thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, another technology that is impacting everything and kind of working as a supporting technology operating in the background is AI. And wondered if you could share some of the biggest ways you're seeing AI impact fashion. So, I mean, I think the use of machine learning, artificial intelligence will be kind of fundamental to what future fashion businesses look like from the, the very kind of operational side in retail models for making sure that stores have the right product at the right time, 
giving consumers what they want when they want. I think, you know, so many retailers up until this point have operated on a very similar model of um, just pile it high, sell it cheap. And, you know, it's one of my standard jokes of try to go to Oxford Street and, and buy something at full price. It's largely impossible to do that. Um, you even get to the, the to the cash register and someone offers you a discount at that point. It's like, I was ready to pay full price. So did. But I think what we can begin to imagine is stores which are delivering a lot more intelligent fast fashion if that feels like a positive thing. But you can imagine much lower stock levels um, but a much greater understanding of the demographic around it in real time. But these are, these are things that can be implemented now that some retailers are beginning to move towards, but obviously there's a huge amount of work to do. And I, you know, I think a lot of the industry in the past has relied on gut instincts. Like a lot of the team came from a retail background and uh, Lisa, who's in my team, was a merchandiser at one of um, the big groups. And, you know, a lot of that would be going through paper reports and kind of, beginning to try and pick out trends in sales patterns and then presenting a story to a buyer who would then make a decision based on based on we'll buy this amount because I think that's what will work that gut instinct is something that the industry has been kind of wedded to for a long time and um, I think we can use data in much more interesting ways for the fashion industry so there's that side which I think is really hugely important to a much more sustainable, sensible, um, intelligence-driven retail industry. On, on a creative side, like it's hard not to ignore the huge excitement around generative AI and the use of tools like Midjourney and Stable Diffusion. Um, you know, we've, we've run projects in the past with there's some colleagues at MIT where we were looking at working with huge data sets and kind of scraping websites so we could get images and then use generative adversarial networks to generate new garments. And like it always sparked this enormous conversation internally at the, the university about the future of creativity and um, who 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 is the designer here and it, how should you be collaborating with uh, an algorithm or a computer? Um, and I look back on those projects from like three or four years ago. And now, now I can just type a few prompts into my computer and get a series of images back that are exactly what I want. And it's hard to kind of argue against that as a huge, huge benefit for some parts of the creative process, like if you're mood boarding, like I can generate exactly what I want really quickly to an unbelievable degree of quality. But, but I think there is a really big question about the future of the creative industries. If you, if anybody can do that and they can do it with a few text prompts, um, nonetheless, I think what we'll begin to see is a changing nature of how we use these tools. So look, I'm, I'm genuinely really excited about what those sorts of um, future uh, progressions may lead to, what future roles they might create. Um, but for sure, they are going to change the nature of um, 
where creatives see. And then, you know, I guess lastly, there are those those roles within the industry that are undeniably going to change through machine learning and artificial intelligence. I look at those largely repetitive roles um, that are mathematical based and not not to kind of downgrade anything that pattern cutting is about or, or how people that work within that space work. It's hugely technical, but there is a role which in the future is going to definitely be affected by machine learning. So I think, you know, as an institution, we're, we're conscious of those changes. We try to allow the students to be involved in that and to, to get access to that technology as early as possible to begin to understand it. It, it is both exciting and with some trepidation we step into the future because the pace of change I mean even in the last six months Amelia has been extraordinary you know, you, we go from text to image to text to video um, where are we going next well I have to say I feel like next year at fashion week we're gonna see like the world's first entirely AI designed clothing line or something that's got to be coming if if nobody's kind of done that yet right yeah well I mean, we've definitely seen kind of AI generated clothing lines but but I think kind of we'll we'll see them seep into kind of the mainstream culture and I think you're right in that extent like the realization of how these tools can be used not to just generate clothing, but if you talk about Fashion Week, you're talking about an identity, a, a vision of a designer and their ability to put us inside that world. I think this is where we're going for the industry. This is what the metaverse is about, is the the blurring of our physical world with digital content, right? Um, whatever your kind of main definition of it is. But effectively, what we're seeing is the physical world seeing more and more digital content um, all around us. And I think these tools are going to allow every creative within every sector of the industry to start having much more control over that and providing with that a way more immersive experience. So for sure, next, next year, next February, next September, we'll see more. And every year beyond that, we'll continue to see more. This is something that I don't know. I just want from fashion shows anyway. Like when I go to Fashion Week, it's got to be an experience. It's got this is entertainment. And I think we saw a return to that this season. There was much more sense of the playfulness of what a show could be. And um, yeah, well, whatever tools we have available to us are, are going to make that far more enjoyable, I think. Well, we might see something like the designer's version and then the AI's copy of the designer's version in there. I don't know. I mean, it just could kind of go on and on. Yeah. Um, but it actually leads into my next question, which is um, with some clients, depending on the industry, I sort of differentiate between physical, digital and virtual these days. And and you know, just for conversation's sake, if we apply that to fashion, so you got physical clothes, which everybody's familiar with. And then we have digital clothes, which I think of as things like smart clothes or something that are clothes worn, worn in the real world, but are enhanced by technology. And then virtual clothes, which I think of as existing in the metaverse or in gaming environments. So it feels to me like 
10 years ago, we were talking a lot more about these digitally enhanced clothes that people wear in the real world. And the conversation sort of shift over to vi virtual. But where are we at with digital clothes? Is it still a thing? Are, are people still developing technology-enabled clothing? What's that look like today? And what are some of the challenges when it comes to smart clothes? Yeah, wearable technology still remains kind of a, an important part of uh, of the industry and one which is growing largely within kind of health and well-being. But these are sectors where um, I think there are genuine applications. I think that the team and I led a lot of projects back in those early days, 20, 2013, 2014, yeah. looking mm -hmm. at how we could integrate um, electric circuits into clothing. And I think there was genuine excitement at kind of the prospect of IoT and how our clothing could connect to, to different environments and this all-encompassing kind of system that would allow us or protocol that would allow us to connect everything. That never really materialized. And I think even going back to kind of the launch of the Apple Watch, you can kind of see where Apple initially positioned massively around fashion and then has largely moved to to a very effective health and well-being uh, device. And I, I think largely for for smart clothing, that is where it will sit. And I think one of the biggest issues that we had when we were creating a lot of those examples, like you add functionality to a garment. And this is something that we'll have to figure out for kind of virtual clothing as well. Like you, if you add functionality to a garment, you kind of add a, a question of, what do I want my hoodie to do today? <laughs> and and it is a question beyond kind of the aesthetic, but beyond maybe keeping you warm if it's cold or wearing something cool when it's hot, that not many people begin to think about. And this element of functionality that you add to a layer of clothing has real benefit if you're within fitness and, and health and well-being, if you want to track the medical status of a particular patient, if you want to see the performance of a particular athlete, there is a genuine reason to do that. I would say that other, some other devices probably do it to a better degree if you're wearing something that's close and attached to your skin all the time, that clothing is always going to face those challenges. So I think there are areas which still remain exceptionally difficult and if you if you look back at 2013 2014 there was a huge amount of excitement around kind of being able to change the color of your garment and downloading different patterns and e-ink perhaps playing a role but these are things which i think largely around environmental issues still remain really problem problematic um so it's something which is still there bubbling away and there's a very active community working hard and London College of Fashion uh, launches an MA in wearable technology. And these are things which will remain, as a subsector of the industry, important to um, to certain areas. But um, yeah, for wider adoption, I think those issues are still there and still need to, to kind of be uh, surmounted if we're going to move it on beyond those discussions that we were having all those years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. It was quite exciting. I think Claire Danes had a dress at the Met Gala by Zach Posen that lit up and changed in colors. I think that was kind of peak, right? <laughs> so it was, and I, re I remember that dress really well because like we'd done a project with Studio XO um, back in September 2014, I think, working with Richard Nichol and the Walt Disney Company um, 
and and created something very similar um the the tinkerbell dress it was it was kind of one of those extraordinary moments i think for us as a team one of those big moments that was so widely seen i think it had something like 200 million impressions on social media there was there was this real hope that things would really break through and change but you know for all of those reasons we've just spoken about it it never really happened but i think there's still some extraordinary fun things and actually you know you think back to kind of where haptics used to fit into that and the likes of cute circuit like yeah what the metaverse will begin to provide for us is we begin to have more virtual experiences the need for them to feel more immersive we'll see a bit of resurgence in smart clothing because i think there is that need for us to if we're going to be spending more time in virtual spaces for them as i said to to feel more connected for us to feel more as if we're at that sense of presence to be much more heightened and i i think we might see a renaissance of that i think that's a really good point and i look forward to that um so when it comes to virtual clothes bring it on what excites you the most about virtual clothing i think this is an area that for so long we have said would be important for the industry like when we first started to look at fully virtual clothing, there was a few very practical applications. Like, could we use 3D design to um, maybe save some of the wastage in prototyping? Could could we be doing all of this digitally? And then you get to a point where you've gone through that and you have a 3D asset. What do you do with that? We kind of always felt that augmented reality, virtual reality, um, offered a pathway for the use of these assets in different areas. And we genuinely felt that there would be a new revenue stream that fully virtual clothing would represent to the fashion industry. And I guess in 2018, 2019, people were kind of interested in that, but didn't genuinely believe that that would be a thing. I can remember doing so many talks where you could just see the raised eyebrows and um, the, the industry thought it was cool, but yeah, maybe one day. Um, and that day has arrived. Like the pandemic changed everything and people's perspective on where we would be with virtual experiences. It accelerated everyone's experience of being in a virtual space, of recognizing, my goodness, that the gaming industry actually exists, that there is a thriving economy that had existed for many years before. Um, where a, a generation was growing up entirely comfortable buying virtual products. Um, so, so I think for the fashion industry, like gaming represents that easy first step into these worlds of how they could generate a revenue stream. I guess you coincide that with the, the rise of cryptocurrencies and the, the huge growth in interest and people making real money from virtual products. This is something that is definitely there as an opportunity. And I think you know, what excites me beyond just the opportunity to make money and to um, develop the industry in a slightly different way is the fact that we could begin to talk about inclusivity. We could talk about accessibility. We can really change the way that we uh, the notion of how we consume physical products through these mediums, that is something which 
represents a gigantic shift for the industry. So yeah, I want to see it. Let's let's start pushing on that. And there's been, I mean, like I said, a huge amount of interest, but um, we are just at the very beginning of this journey. So yeah, there's a lot to come. And are you starting to see virtual fashion have an influence back onto physical fashion at all? So we were just talking about Fashion Week and yes. So if you have a look at the Loewe show um, from Paris Fashion Week last week, um, you, you can see how much this discussion around virtual experiences is being replicated in the physical products. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm even going to rep my PlayStation Balenciaga hoodie that I'm wearing now. This this is culture and fashion has always been a reflection of popular culture. You begin to get a sense of what is happening out there through what you see on the physical catwalks. Yes, we'll see something which is kind of more obvious, uh, uh, an actual replication of some of the 8-bit or, or <laughs> slightly more impressive graphics replicated in physical garment. But But you'll also just get a sense of what what this means to the fashion industry through the way that it communicates um, through its products. So yes, definitely it is happening. We're going to see more of it and I cannot get enough of it. It's, it's genuinely really exciting. If very, very dangerous for my bank account. <laughs> yes, I can see. Well, speaking of bank accounts, I wanted to ask you about NFTs and virtual fashion. So I think that there's lots of possibilities for some really interesting new business models to emerge. For, in for instance, things like renting garments, gifting, collaborative ownership, interoperability, even things like vintage markets or... I'm really interested in built-in degradation. So if my avatar has been wearing a shirt for like a whole year, then I begin to notice it falling apart and getting holes and stains and things. And, it, and then it's time to get a new one, right? So are you starting to see business models like these happening, emerging? What are you seeing? Yeah, we are. And I think, again, it's early, but there is a, a huge amount of interest in experimentation with NFTs and what they could deliver. I think longer term, all of those things will become important in consumer experience. I think like on the luxury side, clienteling is part of the luxury experience and smart contracts offer us uh, a way to do that, which will deliver kind of genuine surprise and delight. Um, being an NFT holder can allow for experiences that are unique to you as an individual. How how the industry begins to pivot kind of structurally to begin to service that is something that we, we will need to kind of wait and see. But you're beginning to see kind of NFT teams being built through and Web3 teams being built through some of the luxury teams. So Gucci have been an early kind of pioneer in that space. And some of the things that they're doing is offering these incredible experiences where they're taking uh, NFT holders out to Italy to begin to meet designers, to have luxury dinners together, to have individual bespoke products. And I think all of those things that you mentioned about where does the rental market sit on this? What is the provenance of a product? What, what could you deliver to consumers the longer they hold on to a product? These are things that could be baked into a smart contract that allow that sense of 
surprise, delight, imagination, creativity to every single product and that could be different for every single consumer. That is a lot of work, but we will begin to see those sorts of experiences. So I guess beyond PFP, um, those layers of experience are what I want to see from the NFT experience over the next few years. And look, there are so many interesting spaces from, you know, what platforms like the Dematerialized are doing to the Fabricant and co-creation. Um, obviously, Artifact have made a huge uh, amount of noise in the industry around what they've been doing. The, these are things that we will see more and more examples of in the year ahead. Um, it's something which is, I just will become second nature to the industry. It will, you know, a digital twin of your physical product and then fully virtual experiences for other products. This is something that is coming. And I think we're just scratching the surface of what's possible. And I just really hope that NFTs doesn't don't ruin doesn't ruin the name NFTs before we kind of get to the utility and the luxury and the customization and all these extra layers. You know, I hope that people kind of understand that this is evolving as a technology and it's not just, you know, bored apes and Twitter scams, you know, <laughs> that it's moving into something that's going to be really cool. I think, but those are things which I think are an important stage and particularly for luxury fashion. I think there is, you know, there's nervousness around some of those things in the area that um, particularly over the last three, four months, um, cryptocurrencies have taken a huge hit. The amount of scams are really difficult. It's a, it's a tough area to get into as a newbie. We need some more time. We need much more experimentation and patience. But I think genuinely from a consumer perspective, that attitude of um, wanting to have a new experience is still there. I think consumers want to try new things and to have new experiences. And I think they'll be very patient. I just, I would agree with you on the brand side that I think they will need to be brave over the months ahead. Yeah, I wanna kind of ask you, pivot a bit to a, a a bigger, more philosophical question. Um, so today, I think you can make an argument that how we appear as our digital selves, who we are on social media with filters and carefully chosen words, carries a greater weight sometimes than maybe our physical personas in the real world. And I just wonder, what do you think? Do you think that we've actually reached that tipping point as a culture where our digital selves are kind of carry more weight than our physical personas? And do you think that that's something that is eventually going to happen with our virtual selves? Is this something we should be concerned about or embrace? I guess that also kind of goes with that question of, you know, if we can be perfect avatars with perfect bodies and the most amazing clothes, is that going to mean that in our real lives we're um, going to not want to appear as much if we're so fabulous in these virtual clothes? I don't know. Just um, been thinking about it and wondering what your thoughts are. So it's a question that um, I guess a lot of the students have been asking for a long time because I think the, these are things which represent a challenge. We, I remember a conversation we had around the use of deep fakes for a project and we were beginning to um, get to a point where it was becoming difficult to tell the difference between what was real and what wasn't. Um, and... I remember one of the students putting up their hand and asking me, do you think that privacy will be the new luxury? 
And the more that we expose ourselves online, the more available we become. Um, I think those questions become really valid. I think like with every evolution of technology, um, it's a question of how, how we begin to, to navigate those spaces. And there will be people who slip either side of that spectrum. Um, there will always be those um, standout cases where we worry about those things. But I think also because we, we're part of a, a university where creativity is important, we have to look at the positivity in these things and begin to build experiences which speak to how we can uplift the world around us. I, um, I would suggest that a lot of people feel very uncomfortable within certain physical spaces. And Fashion Week is a really good example where there is a hierarchy that exists of Fashion Week. Like, it's not something that I personally feel, but I know that some of the, the team feel it when we go to Fashion Week, that you're judged when you go. You're judged on what you're wearing. You're judged on where you're sitting. God forbid if you're standing at a, a show. There is a hierarchy, right, that begins to separate you. And if you begin to build these experiences within a virtual space, that maybe we could begin to pull away some of those layers, that we could create experiences which strip away some of that experience. And I think back to what we did with Riot Studios and Verizon back in 2020, where actually you weren't represented by a perfect avatar. You were just a, a sprite moving through that virtual space and you could communicate, but actually you didn't have to say who you were. And I remember after we did the event that some of the team came up to me and said, Matt, that was, that was really cool because I, I didn't feel the pressure of a normal fashion week. I didn't feel like people were looking at me and looking for all of those usual signs that I know they are when Fashion Week comes around. Yes, there's a danger that all of those things you mentioned can come to pass, but can we build experiences that challenge that, that provide people with a safe space, that provide people with a sense that it could be aspirational, that they do feel more included, that they are more represented? These are things that we can do and we should do. So for me, I think, yes, I, I, I hear that and I recognize those fears, but I would suggest that we will build a space and an experience that challenges that perception. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There is a big opportunity here for inclusion and diversity and um, representation and and all those kind of things. And uh, And I like that idea about kind of being able to reframe some of these you know, social institutions that maybe aren't that healthy for us in the physical world, right? I mean, I even look at the times, types of creatives that I see coming out, at being able to launch their business. Like if you, 15, 20 years ago, if you wanted to get into the fashion industry, this is not a cheap industry to get into. There's materials, it's cost, you want to put on a fashion show, it's expensive. Right now, if you have a laptop, albeit a relatively good laptop, and a decent internet connection, you can begin to explore your creativity. And I um, I think that that represents genuine hope that we can see a new breed of creative coming through um, who wouldn't have had the opportunity before. And Lisa, just from a representation perspective, the amount of female creatives that I see coming through the digital fashion space is genuinely uplifting. It's something that needs to happen. And those from different backgrounds is is far higher. This is something which 
is really, really exciting. And I, I think the sorts of businesses that will evolve over the years ahead is um, is one that fills me with enormous hope for what our industry could become. And 10 years from now, what do you think is going to be the biggest notice, noticeable difference between the fashion industry now and the fashion industry in 2032, 2033? That is an amazing question because if you'd asked me that in 2020, January 2020, I probably would have thought we would have moved a little bit closer to technology. Some of the things that we were working on hopefully would have come to fruition. But the pandemic has changed so much of how the industry perceives virtual experiences. I, I was in Paris earlier this year giving a talk on the metaverse and digital fashion to a room full of 150 luxury brands who all want to be in the metaverse, who all want to create digital product. Did I believe that that would happen in 2022, even in, in January 2020? No, I did not. So where are we going to be in 2030? A lot of the hardware, a lot of the software required will have moved on dramatically. We're going to be able to create experiences even in the next two to three years, which feel much more immersive than they currently do. That sense of presence, even without headwear, is going to feel wild. Like what we're doing now through a screen, two, three years from now, is going to feel like we're in the room together. That is going to happen. So what that means for fashion is that we can begin to look at virtual experiences as its own track, not as something which is... I feel like at the industry at the moment feels a little bit scared by all of this talk around virtual products. Yes, they want in, but there's still that element of will it replace physical fashion? And whilst it can challenge our notion of physical consumption, I don't want it to replace physical products. I still I still want to wear clothes. <laughs> I, still, I still want to see amazing catwalk shows at Paris Fashion Week. But we can build something that goes above and beyond its own new category. So for me, that's what I want to see in, in the next 10 years is that digital fashion, virtual fashion, however you're defining it, being its own category of extraordinary new businesses. Um, that's what's coming. And uh, yeah, let's do this again in 10 years and, and have that conversation. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll do it a bit sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the bigger picture of technology's influence on the world, and this is a personal question, what is your biggest fear and what is your biggest hope? Uh, my biggest hope is that we begin to really change our behavior through technology. I mean, I, I think we all know that we're face, facing a climate crisis. Something has to change, right? And I've had lots of conversations over the last week or so about kind of the impact and the role of the fashion industry and around sustainability and the environment and what roles do Fashion Week play? And yet, you know, genuinely what technology is going to do is beyond what the fashion industry by itself can deliver. So I hope through, through the tools that we're given in the years ahead that we utilize them in a way to utterly transform how we communicate, how we travel the world, how we engage with each other, we're going to develop a new way to communicate, a new narrative that fashion can bring, how our clothes could interact with people, places, spaces. These will be kind of beyond what people really understand at the moment. Um, 
but hopefully it means that we deliver a world that kind of feels so much more layered has so much more depth to it that that we feel a great deal more positive and can deliver really dramatic change so that's my hope my fear is that we don't utilize those tools in the way and i i think ultimately we were talking about hierarchies and infrastructure and these things exist in the physical world because human beings are human beings and my biggest fear is that if we give people tools within a virtual space that they will simply replicate what exists in the real world but that that is why i think institutions like uel and what my team at fia do are so important is that um, the creative industries remain the guiding light for us in that uh, in that sense that we blaze that trail to show this is what's coming this is what you can do let's do it right please absolutely i agree with that i think there's so many opportunities to do something fresh and new and exciting and different and we should absolutely embrace those and i can't wait to see what this generation is going to come up with because i'm sure um yeah it'll it'll blow our minds won't it cool stuff cool stuff coming i think yeah so finally where can our listeners find you uh, so on Twitter, I have the amazing Twitter handle at drinkmat, and on Instagram, I'm the much more standard at Matthew Drinkwater. They can also see the team on Twitter at at FIA London, and on Instagram, we are at Fashion Innovation Agency. Amazing! Thank you so much, Matthew. This has been a pleasure. And thank you all so much for listening and watching wherever you are. Stay safe. And I look forward to speaking with you again next month. Take care.